are, David. One more podcast episode in front of us. Oh, you today? so great. Thank you, by the way, for our list to our listeners for all the great suggestions we got on how to spend the winter, how I can spend the winter, and <laughs> how I can replace my golf addiction. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if any of it's going to be <laughs> possible, but but I'm grateful for those that are are trying to to help me out. Yeah, we got an email the other day, uh, Dave, from somebody encouraging us to work out a little more too. Did you get? Did I, you? I I don't understand. Well, this is a podcast. We're not like on TV. They can't see our bodies. Well, they can't see us on our treadmills they, right here. They don't see. They don't either, see right? how uh, how fit and trim I am. And I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is a wonder to behold <laughs> to see how fit Dave is. He really is. I'm not just. Oh I'm yeah, I, I can that, do better. I can do we better. Can all do I better. appreciate it, John, yeah. but I can do better, <laughs> and I will. I'll do a little better. I have my routine. I have my routine. I kind of go through my my little exercise in the morning, try to strengthen my core, and there you go, and do my little stretches and do some of that because of some back problems that I had. Uh, I still uh, many years ago. I still go to the gym every morning. Uh, David knows I uh, was into powerlifting and bodybuilding many years ago, and that's yeah. still something that. Uh, I do to keep my head right. Uh, I was at the gym this morning at uh, 6.30 a.m. like I am most every morning. I did legs and abdomen core today, wow. Dave. Yeah, so cool. ski season's coming. Need to do that. My my core work is, is just on the carpet <laughs> yeah. doing planks. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> hey, that's probably more effective, right? I don't my, know. My other core work has to do with Hostess Donuts, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, we had a, a great uh, time last uh, week talking about some keys, some principles that were really important components of the uh, repentance and forgiveness um, class that Dave authored and has become part of the uh, curriculum for seminaries and institutes also was kind of the foundation for the book uh, the divine gift of forgiveness yeah the divine by, gift of by healing. elder anderson and i was just kind of a consultant there and helped in some of the organization and some of the ideas in there but uh yeah that that was sweet and uh last week scott we reviewed we started to review what i consider i remember when elder anderson uh first kind of was interested in uh in in me working with him on that that book he sent me an email and he asked me to kind of summarize maybe the key points of the course and i replied in a kind of a long email about what i consider to be the four key points to the entire course that i had designed and taught at utah valley institute called, entitled, Repentance and Forgiveness. There you go. And the key points were, which we talked about two of them last week, was to really understand the fall. I mean, really understand it and to be thankful for it, to rejoice in it, because redeemed humanity is greater than unfallen humanity could have ever been. I love that quote by C.S. Lewis. Redeemed humanity is greater than unfallen humanity could have ever been. Because we have a Savior. 
Without the fall, there would be no Savior. We wouldn't need a Redeemer. It was all part of God's plan from the very beginning. The fall is a doctrine that we just don't embrace. We don't sing about it. We don't, we don't talk about it. We, don't, we, just, we just seem like we want to... I mean, the temple spends... A good amount of time. <laughs> How yeah. much time on the fall? A, a, a good amount of time. And I think that's the pattern. Right. We need to really embrace and understand the fall, Scott, to really see the need for and to fully embrace the atonement and redemption of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, when uh, we talk about the fall, the fall of Adam and Eve, which uh, creates the fall of all of us, uh, there's there's a certain amount, you know, we talked, you used that quote from C.S. Lewis that how redeemed man is much better than they could have ever been without the uh, without the fall or the redemption, and without the fall there is no need for redemption. Uh, and, and think about this, and it's a bit of a, uh, a paradox, but think about this. If there hadn't have been the fall, then we would have been damned from the beginning. There would be no progress for us, so... And we're we're really, I think, the only organized religion that believes that. Uh, everybody else, uh, Christian churches, especially, um, I'm not real sure how the Jews, Jews, and other biblical churches uh, see the fall. But but most other churches uh, are still churches. mad at Adam and Eve. Yeah, believe Adam and Eve caused all of this pain and. All of this sin and and uh, as, really as a result of that, I have done some research on this. Is that that's one reason why women were so frowned upon? Uh, really, if you go all the way back in history, Catholicism was that Eve is the one who really caused the fall. She's the one that talked Adam into it, and therefore women were somehow less uh, valuable than men. And it's really awful. Yeah. That that Satan uses the fall to to damn uh, women because of Eve's um, progress that she made in the in the Garden of Eden, and when she finally realized, hey, we've got to keep that first commandment. Yeah, we've got to multiply and replenish the earth, and we we want to become like God, and we can't do it here. And I know, I know she was beguiled. It says that in the temple and in the Bible. I know that. But uh, she was uh, so spiritually uh, further ahead and uh, more insightful. And I love her the words that she speaks, which is quoted now in the endowment about how she rejoices after they have uh, fallen how she rejoices that they have a Savior and how they can uh, experience mortality. And anyway, so we, we talked about that. I, it's really such a key, and, and such a key for, I think, our overall general uh, spiritual health, Scott, is that we know that we're human, we know that we're sinners, we know that we're, uh, we're sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, not just sons and daughters of heavenly parents, but that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and we are human beings having a 
spiritual experience and spiritual beings having a human experience. We, we know that. We understand what that means, and we should embrace both sides of that. So uh, we talked also last week, it, once you know that, then you have to, and you feel this need for the atonement of Jesus Christ, that to really meet the conditions of repentance, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, we need to be filled with understanding and gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ. And if we, if we really study it, ponder it, and uh, get a glimpse of it, and we go to Gethsemane and he beckons us to come unto him and to behold the wounds in his uh, side and the prints of the nails in his hands and feet, and if we go to Gethsemane and we go to the cross and we, we ex- have that experience similar somewhat to the experience that I think the, the righteous had in 3 Nephi chapter 11 where he invites them not only to behold them and not only to see them but to thrust their hands into his side and to feel the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. Why? So that they, I mean, I, we've talked about this, but can you imagine that touching those, those wounds and thrusting your hand into his side and, and you're going, ah, you know, I don't, uh, you know, is that going to hurt? Is that what, the pain, the, the suffering that, I, that we caused him, uh, that he was willing to, to suffer for us? And I, when we really get a glimpse of that, Scott, and we see it, we get a, uh, we feel it. We are so humble. We're so grateful. Uh, our hearts are broken. Our spirits contrite. Then repentance just kind of really the process flows. The process just flows within us when we understand and feel sufficient gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ. These things, when we embrace them, when they come into our soul, creates a desire within us to be closer to him, which requires us to do things that will enable us to do that. In uh, Back in um, episodes five and six, Dave, we spend a two full episodes on the fall of Adam and Eve and embracing and celebrating our own humanness. And then, and then, uh, you know, subsequent uh, uh, from that, we go into seven and eight, and specifically in eight, we talk about he will take upon him the pains and sicknesses of his people. And, and you know, that's really, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, repentance and, and these keys, and that's really one of those is really gratitude for Christ's suffering for yeah, us, right? right. Well, then we move into uh, the next... Uh, yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the first two keys. Yep. And then the second keys, which I uh, wrote about, summarized in a long email to Elder Anderson, was um, understanding the power of faith in Jesus Christ and that faith in Jesus Christ is the power behind repentance. And so that'll be uh, episode 15. We spend an entire episode, go back to episode 15 for a deep dive into that, but go ahead, Dave. And we'll, we'll summarize some of that today. today. Yeah. And, and then the, the fourth key is to understand that the Holy Ghost, the role of the Holy Ghost in the redemption process and in the repentance process uh, is, is really key, that whenever we feel the Holy Ghost... 
that we should understand that the atonement of Jesus Christ is working in our life and that we're being forgiven. I, I just think that is so important that members of the church understand that, that truth, which was been taught by President Eyring and others. So if they feel the Spirit, they should know that they're being forgiven or that they've been forgiven. Uh, so I let's talk about those keys, those last two keys. Faith is the power behind repentance, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in his atonement. Uh, I know that we talked about when we did a whole episode on faith, Scott, that we talked about kind of faith in the general, faith in kind of the general religious uh, principle that it is, that, uh, of course, it, it means that... Uh, we believe things to be true that we can't see. That's the definition given by Alma in Alma thirty-two twenty-one. But the faith of that's that's just general faith. But the faith of power, Scott described in Jacob chapter four verse six and other verses. The faith of power is that we see things happening, and that they happen that our will is swallowed up in the will of God, that we have the faith to be healed or that we have the faith to not be healed. Faith is seeking, knowing, seeing, and seeking the will of God in our lives. And when it comes to repentance, it's seeing Jesus Christ suffering for our sins. This is the power of faith. It's to have an eye of faith, to look to look backward and see, but to also, as Elder Holland speaks about, faith is looking to the future and seeing that we're being forgiven of our sins and seeing who we can become through Jesus Christ as we exercise faith in him and his atonement and in his name. Faith in his name is a different level of faith than even faith in Jesus Christ. So faith in his name and crying upon the name of Christ means that we participate in the ordinances and we know with an eye of faith that we are bound to him, that we have made covenants with him, that we are uh, recipients of the blessings of the atonement. We see it. We know it. You know, faith and knowledge, Scott, are not, um, they're not antonyms. I believe faith of power is knowledge. The faith of power is that when you see things, you know them, and the cognitive knowledge becomes even greater uh, because of our faith. Uh, you can't have faith without knowledge, and you can't have perfect knowledge without faith. So uh, it's a deep subject, faith. Uh, it's lectures on faith. Uh, I recommended, uh, I think when we did the episode on it, it's an incredible uh, work and treatise on that subject. I know the brethren still use quotes from it, and it's powerful. I, I want to just reference it briefly today by saying that uh, the lectures on faith, Scott, talk about uh, three things about how to obtain faith. That we need to know that God exists, 
then if you want to increase your faith, you need to know the, the character, attributes, and perfections of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. We talked about, you know, we're in the Temple Recommend questions, Scott, we're asked, do you have faith in uh, God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost? I We don't talk enough about faith in the Spirit and in the Holy Ghost, but we need faith in all three. And in order to have faith in all three, we need to understand their character, attributes, and perfections. And then fourth, or third, we need to know that the course that we are pursuing is pleasing to God. Now, this is, a, this is where it gets difficult, because so many times we don't have adequate faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. We don't have adequate power that we can be forgiven. We don't have, we, we just, because we lack faith in Jesus Christ, not knowing whether or not the course that we are pursuing is pleasing to him, we doubt ourselves, we doubt our abilities, we, uh, we feel as though maybe uh, we are victims and that we are powerless, and as a result, we never have the faith to really call upon Jesus Christ and his atonement and, and really believe that we're worthy of forgiveness, and that really holds us back. So that, and, and in the lectures on faith, Scott, it talks about, to, to get to that point where you know that the course that you are pursuing is pleasing to God, you have to be willing to make sacrifice. The key to have the faith of power, and especially the power of repentance to be forgiven, which I believe is the highest level of faith, to know that we're forgiven and that we are redeemed. It's the highest level of faith in Christ and his atonement. We need to be willing to sacrifice to obtain that faith. And I'm not talking just about a sacrifice of time and effort and a sacrifice of our will. I'm talking about sacrificing our sins. Like King Lamoni's father, taught by Aaron in Alma, 18 through 22, and King Lamoni's father crying out in prayer, I will give away, I will sacrifice all my sins to know thee. This is the sacrifice of placing the animal in all of us on the altar of the Lord's house and offering our sins as a sacrifice to him. When, when, we, when we're willing to sacrifice we can obtain the power and level of faith necessary in Jesus Christ and his atonement to know, receive the knowledge that not only did he die for me and suffer for me, but he has forgiven me. Yeah. I think sometimes it's through those sacrifices that we make that we come to know and have a deeper understanding of the sacrifice that was made for us. That, that tunes, Amen. It tunes, Amen. Us, it tunes us into the Spirit. It gives us a, a, a body learning, a feeling of you know what that could have been like. I mean, just a tiny, tiny glimpse of what that could have been like for him. But, but, but then it also 
by so doing puts us on the same path that he was on towards his father. And, and that alone uh, can help us in this uh, this whole plan, this whole walk with uh, Jesus towards our Heavenly Father, David. Well, I maybe I can just read one verse from the lectures on faith. You know, these lectures were, at one time, part of the uh, Doctrine and Covenants. And then... Uh, after some long discussions, and not until about the 1880s were they taken out because it was decided that they were never uh, taught as being revelations. It was a treatise, uh, but uh, they weren't revelations given through the prophet Joseph Smith, but more writings. Sidney Rigdon, Parley Pratt, and others, I'm sure, had a, had a huge influence on these. Uh, but here's this from Lecture on Faith, number 6, verse 11. And I remember Elder Christofferson reading this in a mission president's seminar, telling mission presidents their responsibility was to help convert their missionaries and help their missionaries to obtain the power of faith or the faith of power not just the lowest level of faith that they believe, but the faith where they could say they know. And he read this verse as an example to mission presidents of how to obtain that level of faith. So lecture 6, verse 11 reads, All of the saints of whom we have account in all the revelations of God which are extant meaning we still have a record of, obtained the knowledge which they had of their acceptance in his sight through the sacrifice which they offered unto him. There it is. Right? They obtained the knowledge which they had of their acceptance in his sight through the sacrifice which they offered unto him. And through the knowledge thus obtained, their faith became sufficiently strong to lay hold upon the promise of eternal life, ultimate redemption, and to endure as seeing him who is invisible, and were enabled through faith to combat the powers of darkness, contend against the wiles of the adversary, and overcome the world. Wow, we just had a great talk on that by President Nelson and obtain the end of their faith, even the salvation or redemption of their souls. And that's, that sacrifice, which that lecture, this lecture is referencing, goes back to verse 5, which says, For a man to lay down his all, his character and reputation, his honor and applause, his good name among men, his houses, his lands, his brothers and sisters, his wife and children, and even his own life, counting all things but filth and dross for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ requires more than mere belief or supposition that he is doing the will of God, but the actual knowledge, realizing that when these sufferings are ended, he will enter into eternal rest. Just had a great talk about that by President Nelson. And be a partaker of the glory of God. 
So when it comes to this uh, power of faith or faith of power in Jesus Christ to obtain redemption and forgiveness and eventually God's rest and eternal life, Scott, it requires great sacrifice. And, you know, we, we kind of live in a culture right now. I just had an interesting conversation with a, a sweet uh, family member who... Um, is losing some of her children and her husband's children are struggling and they they're this is kind of a, a second marriage and a, a yours mine and ours situation and they're kind of struggling and I, I, you know i've just kind of felt impressed to talk about this with her that we live in a culture that uh doesn't believe too much anymore in the principle of sacrifice or the law of sacrifice, and that uh, a lot of a lot of members of the church uh, don't see sacrifice as a serious law or covenant that we make in the house of the Lord, and even some of our youth are growing up in a culture where um, the goal is to be comfortable and to find to, to go or do those things that are easy uh and just you know we're entitled to this and we're entitled to that and it's not about me it's not about making sacrifice it's about receiving more and more more pleasure and ease and comforts in life and uh, it makes it makes it hard for harder for us i think in in this type of a culture of prosperity to be willing to, to really understand what sacrifice is and make those sacrifices. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, even even in within the church, sometimes I know, uh, and I've got to be careful because I don't want to um, expose anything personal to anybody. But you know, we we sometimes uh, get a little over worried. In my opinion, we get a little over worried in making things too comfortable for people in the church uh, and i'm specifically talking about the youth you know for, well, for our own for our own kids and grandkids <laughs> yeah i i yeah and, and that's enough right there we'll just say our own kids and grandkids but sometimes when the goal is for example to create a, an experience for a youth group uh, and this is the kind of the overarching idea is to just create a a situation where they feel pampered where they feel taken care of where they feel spoiled where they feel though and that's great i mean it's a good that we help each other feel important and comfortable and things like that but um i often think that you know sometimes we need to learn how to work for those things that are important too we need to understand sacrifice we can't understand sacrifice if we're just focusing on all of the good life uh, the good life, the good life. I, you know, I'm going to just put this out there, but the good life isn't what we think the good life is, or what the world thinks the good life is. The good life isn't comfort. The good life isn't pampering. The good life isn't all things are coming to me with ease, you know, uh, and all of that. The good life is sacrificing so that we can have His Spirit with us, so that we can feel His peace. And even in the times of turmoil, because here's the thing, those of us that are taught how to um, be pampered, how to be coddled, uh, those, and again, nurtured, all those things are important, but when that's the focus, and then life comes, which it will, and it always does, but when life comes and presents its varying 
and sundry challenges to us. Yeah. We find ourselves ill-equipped to deal with those because we haven't had the opportunity to participate in sacrifice so that our faith can be made whole. Yeah. There, I remember Heber C. Kimball, President Heber C. Kimball, counselor to Brigham Young, said many years ago, this is recorded in Journal of Discourses, a test, a test, a test is coming. And he talks about this great test that's going to come to the saints. And, uh, you know, you think about all the hardships the saints went through. Yeah. All the trials, all the hard things that they went through going from, going from uh, state to state to all the suffering that they experienced. And then he says that a greater test is coming, and he uh, identifies that test as being the test of prosperity, that the greatest test the saints will face is the test or state of prosperity. And um, I know these are hard times, and I, and I know we, you're not, and I know I'm not being critical. It, it just happens to be the culture that we live in that we have so much prosperity, we have so many great things in life, and uh, it's really hard, I think, for us to find ways to really sacrifice in service, to really sacrifice to the Lord, to really be will to know what it means, to be willing to give our all. And I, I you know, I don't know this, the current statistics in the church, but I, I know one priesthood leader, stake president, who expressed to me his real concern about his stake and the the fewer um, number of of young men going on missions. And I think that's probably a real concern. Uh, I know that we had a few talks on that in general conference the last few conferences. I think it must be a real concern. And I think it's just really hard. It's always been hard. It's always been hard, but I think it's a little harder now for uh, the youth, the rising generation, to understand what it means to make the sacrifice. And those who go on missions, wow, they understand what sacrifice is. And, and it's not easy. Those who, those who do it right, it's not easy. And there is real sacrifice involved in that. And anything that we can do, I think, in the church and in our families, personally, in our own personal lives, to make sacrifice, to live our life with real intention, Scott, that takes a lot of thought and a lot, a lot of work. And we need to, if we want the level of faith of the ancients, if we want the level of faith or the faith of power to repent and be forgiven and be redeemed, we need to learn and embrace the law of sacrifice. I think a lot of us look at the law of sacrifice in the wrong way. I think when we look at the law of sacrifice, we see it as a removal of something. Yeah, giving up. Yeah, giving what am I up something, give up? something gets You're taken right. away from me. But what if, what if we saw sacrifice, and I believe this is what really what sacrifice is, what if sacrifice was an investment? What if through sacrifice we are now, because of that sacrifice, because of the investment of that sacrifice, we are now qualified for greater blessings? Blessings that are so big that, you know, um, Malachi tells us so big that we can't even receive them, right? Right. The key word, 
the key word, it's the sacred. Sacrifice comes from the key word in Latin, yeah. sacrum, or to make sacred. Same root as sacred. And President Nelson taught that years ago, that to make sacrifice or to live the law of sacrifice is to make something sacred in our life. I, I think it's really closely related to consecration, the law of sacrifice, and the law of consecration are very similar, and they're, they're tied together. So I, I just, uh, I guess we need to move on to the fourth and final principle, but I, to have the faith in Jesus Christ that we need, which is the power behind repentance and forgiveness, faith in Christ is the power. Christ is the power, and our faith in him is, is what makes that, that power in Christ come forth. For, for the atonement, for the power of Christ and his atonement to become efficacious, operative, and available to us in our life, we need to learn the law of sacrifice and the principle of sacrifice to obtain the faith to be forgiven of faith without works and faith without sacrifice is dead. There is no faith without sacrifice and works. And uh, I, I know that just recently, Scott, I've been thinking about this in my own life, about what, what do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to start doing? That's, that's also sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. To, what do I need to make holy in my life? How can I make my time, my, my life more holy? And sacrifice my life to God. Sacrifice my time to God. And what do I need to give up? You know, what do I need to let go of uh, in my life to be able to really uh, live a life of intention and purpose and to obtain the faith and increase my testimony and knowledge and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And to fill the forgiveness that comes because of his power. And when we do that, forgiveness always comes. Yeah. And that leads us to the fourth key, which is it always comes through the gift of the Holy Ghost or the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe there are lots of people who aren't members of the church who have felt some degree of the atonement of Jesus Christ in their life and have felt forgiven in their life, have felt some level of redemption and salvation in their life. There's no doubt about that. I, I know people who have, who have told me. I know a minister, Presbyterian minister who joined the church, he and his wife, and they, they expressed, we knew we were forgiven of our sins before we were baptized. Baptism is an ordinance which they... When they went through it and were baptized by a general authority, that they knew that that ordinance had been recognized and that it was binding and that it had a sacred role in their life. And when they received the Holy Ghost, they knew that, or the gift of the Holy Ghost, when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, they knew they had felt that spirit before when he had forgiven them of their sins before they were ever baptized. I, I believe that. I, I'm not a convert, and, uh, I, but I believe their experience, and I believe I have another friend or friends that have experienced that. 
the Holy Ghost, the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost is to administer the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life according to our conditions. We have uh, had several, and when we have several yet to come, interviews where we've talked about people, and this has happened in both yours and mine life too, David, and in in the lives of probably many of our listeners. But, you know, as we we go through life and as things uh, get difficult for me, as I was kind of at my rock bottom prior to my getting sober in 1998, there was just a lot of really yucky things in my life, you know. It was just, it was just not comfortable. I was just never content. I was never really happy. Uh, I definitely had uh, forefooted the feeling of joy uh, long, long in advance of any of this. But then, when the process begins, uh, you know, and even though the administration of the Holy Ghost is the fourth principle that we're talking about, it doesn't have to wait. Till number four. I mean, we, you know, they, these things, yeah, these true. first, these first few things do definite help, definitely help oh, expand it and amplify it. But we are not eliminated the ability or the blessing of having the Holy Ghost administer the atonement in our lives, even prior sometimes to our deepest repentance. And when we feel that, when we feel that, I, we we talked to to a lady today, David, that uh, when she felt that. She said she when she f- was in prison. Yeah, she felt rest when she was in prison. Yeah, before I, she was excommunicated from the church. A, a great, great podcast interview that will be coming out with a, a great lady named Daphne in in a couple of weeks from now. But that's it. That's the blessing that comes, and that's why when we talk about sacrifice, man, if I could, I I think, and I don't speak just for me. I know that when people get in the depths of despair, when we've lost hope, when things feel dark and foreboding, when we feel like the whole world's against us and coming down around us, that when we get that glimpse of light, when we get that glimpse of the Holy Ghost in our lives, that feeling of happiness and joy, once we taste that, once we feel that, those sacrifices may not feel like such sacrifices. They may feel like just a small investment, a, a change in my life. And that's what happens when the uh, atonement, when the power of the atonement takes over our lives. That's what happens is we feel changed. Uh, we no longer have desire to be separated from our Heavenly Father. We think to sing the song of redeeming love. You know, we, we know all those things that are going on inside of us that have been just terrible, that as they dissipate and as they go away, man, those sacrifices that we talked about a few minutes ago begin to really be those investments into having the sweetest of all gifts that we could potentially have in this life. And that sweetest of all gifts that we could potentially have in this life is, I promise, it's given to us as we partake of the sacrament and renew covenants. That is the promise that we may always Right. Have his spirit to be with us. That's what it is. Yes, absolutely, Scott. And, you know, I think it's just really uh, helpful when we understand the role of the Holy Ghost as a member of the Godhead. Here we... Can you imagine, Scott? I mean, Heavenly Father has sacrificed for us. He sacrificed his Son for us. The Son, Jesus Christ, has sacrificed his all, given his life, uh, 
suffered spiritual death, bled from every pore. Uh, you know, we can't speak enough or even compre- begin to comprehend the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then we have this third member of the Godhead. We, we only have a title. We don't even have a name. The title, the Holy Ghost, an individual, a spirit being, who has sacrificed, not taking upon himself a body for now. I know Joseph Smith said that he inquired whether the Holy Ghost would ever have a body. He inquired to God to know the answer to that question, which I think is such a great question, uh, but more of a question of curiosity than an inspired question. And uh, he said that, that God did not give him an answer told him he didn't need to know that if the holy ghost would ever have a body or not but you know scott i think about this sometimes when i pray and i try to thank heavenly father for the holy ghost i thank him for the sacrifice that the holy ghost was willing to make so that he could be my constant companion and your constant companion that he could have the power and and could be everywhere at once, administering the love of God in our life, the mercy of God in our life, the grace of God in our life, that all all that the Holy Ghost does, Scott, giving us our testimonies and everything that he does for us, the knowledge bearing witness of the Father and the Son and of all truth, Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, I mean, com- com- comforting us in our times of trial, giving us direction when we seek it, uh, giving us protection as we sleep, and uh, I, I mean, yeah, comforter it, and protector, yeah, and it, it really, sanctifier. It really puts an emphasis in bold italic neon lights, constant companionship. Mm. But that constant companionship does come does require sacrifice, does require on our parts effort, on our parts desire, intention, desire, and all those things. It does. I remember Bruce R. McConkie many years ago, you know, saying, you know, if you're ever going to err in a relationship, I mean, he was kind of talking about people had gone too far having, seeking a close or uh, too close of a personal relationship with Jesus. And, uh, Elder McConkie found that to be somewhat offensive and talked about how we needed a relationship with the Father and not just Jesus, and that we didn't pray to Jesus. We prayed. We didn't even pray through Jesus. We prayed to the Father, directly to the Father, in the name of Jesus. And then after kind of talking about this, he said, you know, if you're, if you're going to err in having a, a too close of a relationship with a member of the Godhead, and I don't even know if that's possible, but if you're going to err in your relationship with the Godhead, then you should err in your relationship with the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost reveals to us the Father. The, the Holy Ghost can reveal to us the Son. The Holy Ghost is, is the uh, administrator of all of, their, all of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, all of their love, all of their forgiveness. Anyway, I... I just we we need to be really intentional about uh, living by the Spirit, uh, walking in the Spirit. Paul says, 
we need to do all that we can and avoid as many distractions as possible, Scott, to really uh, identify and feel, receive the, the gift and power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Because uh, ultimately, this is the final key to identifying, receiving and identifying forgiveness in our life is that when we feel the Holy Ghost and when He is our companion and we know that He's with us, and I'm so glad that you tied the sacrament with, with that promise, that when we keep those covenants and the Spirit, I believe, can always be with us, we are redeemed through the blood of Christ, and it's the Holy Ghost who administers it into our life. So, the keys of repentance and forgiveness, the keys of accessing the power uh, and blessings and all the promises of the atonement of Jesus Christ, God, are understand and be grateful for the fall. Understand and be grateful for the atonement of Jesus Christ. Understand what it takes to develop the power of faith in Christ needed, which is also the power behind repentance to be forgiven of our sins and redeemed. And fourth and finally, to receive the Holy Ghost and allow the Holy Ghost into our lives by the intentional uh, simple choices that we make daily. Those those are the those are the keys. I think of repentance and forgiveness. When we uh, put these keys in action in our lives, and we're focusing on these keys, what that really does to us it does it does the most important thing that it does is it does enable uh, the the atonement of Jesus Christ and the power of that atonement to be in our lives. But it in it also ennobles us. Uh, in that it helps us to understand who we are, mm-hmm. right? And it understands, and it helps us to understand who he is, who yeah. they are. Mm. Identity is everything. Identity is our eternity. Uh, and when we understand who we are, when we understand who they are, and whose we are, then we understand whose we are. Mm-hmm. And it's through that yeah. whose we are where the redemption of Jesus Christ. For us, where our redemption, where the redemptive powers come to life in our lives, mm. and, we, and we don't have to wait till we die to feel redeemed, David. No, we can have redemption in our lives now. Covenant as, relationship, and and as we're doing that, it changes who we are. It yes. changes how we act. It changes how we react. Uh, in fact, in fact, if we're really dialed into this, and if we're really yoked up with the Spirit and with the Savior on this, then those challenges that we have become more opportunities for us to grow and become close to Him, and, and we start seeing it that way. What yeah. a gift! What a gift! Yes. So, uh, thanks be to God. Scott, for the restoration of the fullness of the gospel. Uh, I I don't have the words. I'm so inadequate to express my 
my gratitude for all of that, uh, the doctrine, the principles, the ordinances, covenants, powers, blessings that have all been restored to the earth and for priesthood and prophets and oh scott we're so we're so blessed and we're we're hoping that all of you our listeners uh, can uh, take something from what we've said and draw closer to your heavenly father in prayer that you can draw closer to your savior jesus christ through repentance and that you can draw closer to the Holy Ghost and influence of the Spirit of the Lord in your life through the daily choices and decisions that we make. I, I'm grateful when we talk about these things. You know, I, I can't help but, and I think this is one of the gifts of memory uh, in this mortal world that comes to us, but I look back and, you know, there's a lot of things in my life in the past, and there's still things today, too, that I'm not extremely proud of, you know, that... Uh, I, I just try. I just try and I fail and I try and I do my best. But because of my human condition today, uh, though they are not always, uh, usually not even intentional, but back in the day when they were definitely intentional, you know, I, I there was such a chasm between me and the Spirit. I would get visitations I would uh, from the Spirit. I would get feelings of comfort and hope and encouragement. But once I understood, and, and I think that this is a pattern for all of us, but once I understood these keys, David, the fall, the understanding the fall, gratitude for Christ's suffering, faith in Christ is the power of repentance, the Holy Ghost administering the repentance and the power of the atonement, which yes, is the yes. repentance in our lives, that we get that glimpse. We, glimpse. we understand who we are, we understand who they are, we understand whose we are, and with that knowledge... Uh, and with that feeling within us, there's just very few things in this life, I think, that can overcome us to the point that will really separate us from his spirit. Elder Holland, uh, several years ago, I think it's been more than 10 years ago now, um, back, in 2000, back in 2009, uh, gave this amazing BYU devotional address calling, uh, or called, titled, Remembering Lot's Wife. And uh, I, I just wanted to share some thoughts about that in terms of uh, looking back to the past. We're kind of coming near to the end of another year and going to be beginning a new year soon. And uh, this also applies to, to faith. Uh, he says, as a new year begins, this was in January 2009, as a new year begins and we try to benefit from proper view of what has gone on before, Elder Holland says, I plead with you not to dwell on days now gone, nor to yearn vainly for yesterdays, however good those yesterdays may have been. The past is to be learned from, but not lived in. We look back to claim the embers from glowing experiences, but not the ashes. And when we have learned what we need to learn, and have brought with us the best that we have experienced. Then we look ahead, and we remember that faith is always pointed toward the future. Faith always 
has to do with blessings and truths and events that will yet be efficacious in our lives. So a more theological way to talk about Lot's wife, remember she was told not to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah, and she did as they were fleeing the city, probably with a little longing in her heart, wanting to go back to the comforts of her life, not wanting to sacrifice her all, her city and her home and everything she was leaving behind. She looks back and she turns to a pillar of salt. That's all recorded in Genesis 19. So a more theological way to talk about Lot's wife, Elder Holland says, is to say that she did not have faith or she wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. She doubted the Lord's ability to give her something better than she already had received. Apparently, she thought that nothing that lay ahead could possibly be as good as what she was leaving behind. To yearn to go back to a world that cannot be lived in now, to be perennial dissatisfied, perennially dissatisfied with present circumstances and have only dismal views of the future and to miss the here and now and tomorrow because we are so trapped in the there and then and yesterdays are some of the sins of Lot's wife. I think that's, that is so good for us. Uh, yeah, that's pretty indicting on... I, I can't say everybody because I don't know everybody, but, you know, that's pretty... I, th- I feel like that's probably pretty universal, Dave. Oh, we, we need to look forward with faith. Faith yeah. looks forward. Yeah. We have so much to look forward to. For those who are struggling in the midst of great trials, and I understand some of those, I look forward to such great faith uh, with, uh, to be with my family forever. To even be forgiven of my sins, I, I know that I've been forgiven in the past, and I, re, I want to remember that, and uh, I look forward to the future when I can be forgiven again. I've been redeemed. I know I will be redeemed. I, 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 we, we, we need to look forward with hope and, and faith and the spirit of optimism uh, to receive all that the Lord has uh, all the promises he's given us and all the all the blessings that he's promised us in the in the future. Amen. Well, you know, we, here we are. Uh, we are in a time of year. The holidays are near, nigh upon us. <laughs> they're they're close, and and you and we know that uh, during this time of year, there are many among us who this time of year may feel like a. Um, a, a amplifier to the trials that we have in our lives. If we're lonely, we feel extra lonely. If we're struggling financially or physically or health-wise because of the holidays and all the activities around us, sometimes that can amplify that pain, that loneliness, and all those other things. We see this a great deal. In January, the rooms of recovery will be bursting 
at the doors, just like a gym membership in January almost, you know, mm. because of the pain and all the trials that comes through this time of life, we just expect that. So I'm going to start an early invitation. Here we are. We're still a, a bit out, uh, maybe a couple of, well, actually, I think Thanksgiving's next week. So this will probably be released the, the week of Thanksgiving. So as these things are coming upon us, it's important, uh, and I would invite, in fact, I would probably go even a little further and actually exhort us all uh, during this period of time to just step up our game when it comes to our relationship and the things that we do to enhance, to uh, maintain, and, and keep that relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the administration of the Holy Ghost as we draw nigh unto the Father through him, because no man cometh to the Father but my, by me, says he. Uh, and as we do these things, uh, I know that we will have that peace. We will have the ability to know who we are, to know who they are, and by so doing, know whose we are. And, and that changes everything. Once we see that, it can have the ability to change everything. So I'm going to invite us to do that throughout mm. this holiday season. Thank you, Scott. And happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our uh, good listeners. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. We are Thank grateful you. for you. We're grateful for your communication. Invite you to keep that up. Uh, we uh, just love so much the opportunity that we have to talk about these things that are so, so vitally, eternally important to David, to myself, and to actually the entire human race, and uh, whether we know it or not. May God bless you. May you know that you have been redeemed through his blood. May this be one of the many, many wonderful things that you have thankful have to be thankful for during this Thanksgiving season. Thanks, everybody. Look forward to being with you next week. Until then, take care.